Welcome to the Pixels and in Ink podcast. This is the show where we bring you the best tips, tactics, and strategies for using multi-channel marketing to dramatically boost your leads and sales. From the top sales and marketing minds across agencies, print service providers, and enterprise marketers, you'll hear what's working and not working so you can be on the cutting edge without having to empty your wallet in the process. All right, here are your hosts, Mackenzie Farshid and Dave Rosendahl. Hey, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to another exciting episode in our series on digital marketing. What's up, Dave? Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. So today on the podcast, we talked to two guys, Jason and Chris, who are funny, who are great, and have some valuable information to share. Yeah, I'm really excited because uh, Jason and Chris are actually a podcast team that I've listened to for probably, hmm, maybe going on six months. Uh, happened to just look them up in iTunes and was looking for some insight into Google AdWords, which is the topic that we're talking about today. Stumbled on their podcast and really appreciated a couple of things about these guys. One is they are able to describe uh, what are sometimes complex concepts very simply and easily. And second, they're pretty funny. (laughs) Yeah, so we appreciate that about people. And uh, so it just kind of stuck with our podcast. And then as we got into this series, bringing you this content, uh, Mackenzie, who's producing all of this, you know, said, is there somebody we could bring on the show that would be good to talk about this? And they're the first guys that popped in my head. Yeah. And something I really like about them is that they speak to multiple different audiences. So whether you are someone who is a daily practitioner like you, Dave, of Google AdWords, you know this stuff in and out, or whether you're someone who's pretty new to it, brand new to it, or maybe just getting introduced to it, they speak to you. And it's beneficial, it's useful. And like he said, they're able to explain things in a way where it's easy to digest, easy to understand. So their podcast is called The Paid Search Podcast. And what they aim to do is really just help business owners make the most of their Google AdWords budgets. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about Chris and Jason and their background before we get into the discussion with them. Awesome. So they're both Google partners and AdWords management experts. Mm -hmm. Uh, They do this stuff all day long, every single day. This is their full-time job. So they are experts and it's really a treat to get to learn from them. Uh, Jason is a Google partner and AdWords expert. Like I just said, he's based out of Oklahoma and he really focuses on using Google AdWords campaigns to get his clients high quality traffic and to get leads. At the end of the day, what he's trying to do is help his customers get the phone to yeah, ring. That's important. So that's his number one thing. Get the phone to ring. Chris has been running campaigns. Listen to this guys and gals for over 15 years. So wow. he ran his first campaign in 2003. That's as, that's as long as you've been alive, right? <laughs> Close to it, Dave. <laughs> so he ran his first campaign in 2003 and he works with uh, a variety of different clients. So from small to large with different budgets. So maybe they're big or maybe they're small. Um, he does specialize in B2B ad campaigns and he emphasizes AdWords search networks. All right, so hold up, Mackenzie. Before we go any further, why the heck should we care about Google AdWords? Just help me remember why this is so important. Absolutely. So something that I read or heard them say in one of their episodes is really what takes it home for me, and maybe this will resonate with the listeners. What they said is this. In the old days, people would, and I'm paraphrasing, Uh in the old days, people would pull out their phone book, right, and they'd look stuff up. What's a phone book? (laughs) Get out of here. So they'd want to look things up, and they'd pull out their phone back. But today, what do they do? They pull out their phone, and they ask Google, and that is why this matters. That is why you should care about this. because people are searching for you. And today we're gonna to hear all about how you can optimize that and get, again, get the phone to ring, get people to uh, generate some leads for you. Sweet, that is awesome. So let's go hang out with Chris and Jason. Sounds good. Alrighty. So welcome to Pixels and Ink, Chris and Jason. How are you guys doing today? Excited. Doing great. Doing Glad great. to be here. 
I know that we are so happy to have you. So thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I know our listeners are going to benefit a lot from this. And something that we generally like to start out to do is kind of get to know you and allow our listeners to have some context as to who you are. So if you could each start out by telling us a little bit about yourselves, uh, both in the business environment, but then also outside. So work, family, hobbies. Go ahead, Chris. All right. Yeah. So um Age before beauty, I guess. I am. Uh, I represent the uh, older, wiser uh, side of the podcast. Uh, Chris Schaefer is my name. I've been working in Google AdWords since 2003, uh, self-employed, doing it freelance since uh, 2009. And, um, you know, it's honestly all I do. I do it full time. I work out of my house in Houston, and um, it's it's a blast. I love doing it. I, I have a lot of passion behind it. And uh, when it comes down to it, I think Google AdWords is the network um, to get the best traffic and the best marketing results uh, for your dollar. So when I'm not doing Google AdWords, I'm um, usually, uh, well, most recently helping with my one week old daughter who was oh, born, wow. um, just, uh, just last week. So Holy cow. Yeah, I have two daughters. I have uh, one that's five and uh, one that's one week old. So if you hear Aww. something that sounds like a cat, um, that's probably <laughs> it's, it's it's probably her. So actually, uh, we one time we had a baby in the background on one of our. We don't know where it came from, but yeah. someone that we were like recording. A ghost baby. So it wouldn't, wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then when I'm when I'm not doing family stuff, I usually like to to play games and. And I like I like video games and reading. It's usually my interest for hobbies on a personal level. Nice. And what about you, Jason? Well, uh, work-wise, kind of the same story as Chris. Um, I've been working on Google AdWords since about 2012, and then uh, doing it full-time as a freelancer. I've been doing it since 2014. And just like Chris, Google AdWords is the only thing I do, and I I have the same. Uh, opinion of it. I think it's great and I, I see it working every day so uh, I, I love doing it and uh, do it for a lot of clients in a lot of different industries um, I'm a bit of a workaholic so I don't have that much time outside of work but uh, I do like to relax by just calling it uh, kind of following political news and uh, I also like watching the NBA and uh, just like Chris I like re reading a ton and I also have uh, one child uh, his name is Bert, and he's four and a half, and he's half Wheaton Terrier and half uh, Otter Hound. <laughs> I was gonna so. say I didn't know you had a you had a son. <laughs> yeah, so listeners, we're gonna we're gonna actually pressure Jason to get us a picture of Bert because who doesn't love puppies <laughs> or dogs? That's right. So That's right. as everyone knows from the intro, uh, Jason and Chris make up the Paid Search Podcast. So thank you guys for being here. We're super inspired by you. How did you guys find one another and team up for the podcast? Chris, should I tell the story? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's all Jason. He took the initiative and reached out. And uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So um, I I don't know if uh, I it was more organic than this or this strategic. I honestly can't remember. But um, I was reading a book sometime in the last few years called Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Oh yeah, and good he's book. Got very yeah, great book. And he's got a very unique opinion on competition. And he was his main point is like oh instead of fighting with your competition and going to the lowest profit margin and everyone goes out of business uh, why don't you work with your competition and try to get better and, and see if you can help each other so I don't know if I had read that before or after I, I did this but 
basically, uh, I was a freelancer and um, I was looking around on the freelancing websites like, okay, who's my Michael Jordan? Who do I want to be like? What's this going to look like if it actually works out for me in five to ten years? And what's kind of the top of the mountain? And I saw Chris out there and he just looked like the most professional guy, guy who's been doing it for a long time. And he just also seemed kind of to share some of the same qualities of me in terms of just being professional, straightforward, honest, and doing a good job for his clients. So I reached out to him and basically said, hey, we uh, both do the same thing. It'd be cool to talk and kind of brainstorm with each other. And, and he was thrilled because he said uh, he he had not gotten that kind of feedback from someone else doing yeah. this before. So the exact started, opposite. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, people didn't, uh, it, there wasn't a lot of collaboration. So we started having like kind of quarterly phone calls and uh, they were very interesting and we were sharing a lot of ideas about AdWords and strategies and then we just kind of thought, well, wh why don't we record this and throw it out there as a podcast and it kind of picked up from there. So another way of saying that, guys, is you met online. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Met online, yep, met online. Okay. Yeah. That's looked awesome. Me up and, and I, uh, I swiped left. I think. Left, I think. Mackenzie knows. I don't know. I always ask her, I, I is think, it left or right? I think it's left. Okay. <laughs> don't pretend sure. not to know. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> so, guys, our listeners um, come, you know, in varying uh, skill levels. They come at different skill uh, sets here, if you will. So could you just kind of, like, take a step back, since we're talking about Google AdWords and page search, and just kind of give us a lay of the landscape as it pertains to Google specifically. You know, kind of give us the difference between search display ads and some of the other terms that we hear and just kind of set the, the groundwork for what we're going to be talking about today. Why don't we start with you, Chris, on that? Yeah, so I think the easiest way, you know, there's going to be a lot of people with a lot of different industries and a lot of things that they want to accomplish in Google. Um, so there's two ways to approach it. Um, there's the search network, um, which is something you may not even be aware that you're clicking on, but there are paid ads in Google search. And then there's also display ads, which I'm sure you're all aware of because you see those all the time. Those are the, the uh, image ads that shows up on uh, websites and forums and blogs as you, as you navigate through your phone and, and your laptop and your computer. So as an advertiser, you have to make a decision, what network do I want to use? You can use both, but uh, I think Jason and I have a pretty strong opinion about you know, which ones work best for our clients in specific situations. But for the search network, it's typically uh, a more expensive network compared to the display. Not that it's high priced, but there's a drastic difference between the two. And the search network will often bring in traffic that is uh, much more uh, focused on exactly um, what you're selling at the moment, okay? So you're looking for a doctor, you're looking for a therapist or something like that, um, you go to Google and you do a search for your local area plus whatever term you're looking for. So, you know, uh, local, uh, I'm in Houston, so local Houston doctor. Um, and I click an ad and then I get to, uh, um, you know, interact with that website and make a decision if that's who I want to give a call to. On the display side, it's a little different. Let's say you uh, are doing a search on Google and you decide to click on a non-paid ad and you go to a blog and the blog is talking about that really weird wart that you have that you want to get rid of and you know, you're know you reading about some kind of do it at home type of thing where you can burn it off or something. I'm getting kind of gross here, but yeah. I think you're talking about Jason right now, right? <laughs> yeah, this is, this is okay. Jason's experience. He told just, me just but, sure, uh, yeah. it's, you know, it's yeah, not, not personal, uh, but um, it's, 
in, instead of you know uh, clicking on a, a search ad, you end up seeing a display ad on that blog that says, "Hey, you know, we are a, a local clinic, skin clinic, or something like that." You know, and and you may never click that ad, but the fact that you saw it is part of the display network. Uh, you end up um, you know, getting uh, an awareness that this clinic is in your area, and that's kind of the goal. The secondary goal then would be to try and get you to click on that ad. Um, but uh, display ads are a whole lot cheaper. Search ads are um, a little more expensive, but certainly not to the point that you wouldn't consider uh, using them for a uh, B2B or B2C campaign. So Jason, with that set up by Chris then, if I'm a business owner, how do I decide which of these to use, search or display? And what's kind of the best framework for thinking about how to use those two? Well, uh, it's kind of your your timeline. So if you, if you need the phone to ring like now, like in the next hour, uh, the search network is definitely uh, the better use of your money, but if you also have a long time timeline and you're thinking like a year down the road, five years, ten years, even twenty years, and you're trying to build brand awareness and, and build a brand name, um, the the display network is better for that kind of timeline. So I I look at it as kind of like timeline. Um, most people. The clients Chris and I come across need the phone to ring, and that's why they're going to Google. So mm -hmm. most small businesses will probably be best served, and they'll probably feel the most impact from AdWords if they start on the search network. Um, but that that's not to say they shouldn't take maybe 10% of their budget and start uh, experimenting with the display network. Something that I was actually interested by in your late, I think it was your latest episode when you were talking about, or one of them, you were talking about Chris, your onsite trainings and some of the stuff that you learned and insight that you got from these people. And one of them is that some people don't even know about the ads that they're being seen because, you know, Google's a company, you kind of feel like, oh, Google's credible. When you're searching Google, you're asking it for some information. And so if you could just tell listeners what that looks like, let's say I go to Google and I type in, you know, Houston dentist or something, wh where are these ads that you speak of just so that people can actually open Google and see it? Right. So you do a search on Google. And mm -hmm. honestly, if, if you have a, uh, a laptop that maybe has a limited screen size, probably the top ads that you see are all going to be paid ads. If you have a limited screen real estate, you probably only see maybe two or three. It's likely that those top two or three uh, listings or, or, or search results are actually paid ads. And basically you can know that from one small difference. Uh, it's just a little green box that says ad right next to the, uh, right next to the link. And that's pretty much it. And there's a lot of, variances in the way that the ads might look, but I can tell you for sure, the only way to know for sure is if there is a small little designation uh, next to that link. And that's it. It's it, like you said, it's, it's really surprising because I've had people tell me, you know, they, they think that when they see an ad, they think that's what Google is suggesting. They think, mm -hmm. like, Oh, we, we think, we think maybe this is what you're looking for. It's like, it's like Google, you know, approved or, or Google, um, hmm. you know, knows this company and thinks based on what you searched, this would be a good idea. They don't realize that it's actually advertiser initiated. It's actually chosen by the advertiser to show you an ad based on what you typed. So it's, um, it, it, it's surprisingly um, very confusing for a lot of people to realize that it's, uh, it's, it's the other way around. 
So now as a longtime listener of your podcast, I know that Jason is world renowned and is probably the only guy who knows PPC and moving, right? I mean, he's, he's number one on that list. And so just wondering from your experience, right, Jason, am I, am I correct in that? Well, I mean, yeah, you're, I mean, you're pretty much <laughs> so I'm, I'm Don't trying, be humble. To, trying to sound humble, but uh, if, if there's a person on the planet earth that knows more about, uh, moving companies and about Google AdWords, I've never met them. So yeah, uh, doesn't exist. Clearly doesn't exist. So, so those examples that you give often on your show are uh, around the moving industry and such, and that's that's kind of a B two C play. Uh, a lot of our listeners are companies that are going after other businesses B two B. So, just curious, uh, I'll direct this at you, Jason. What have you seen with respect to the breakdown between B two B and B two C campaigns on Google? Is there uh, one that works better than another, or is it uh, is it you know really dependent upon the company and, and what they're trying to do? Well, it, it's always going to be dependent on um, an individual case on the company. Now, my personal preference is B2C in terms of um, knowing that I can have success and success fast. And the reason why is because in a city like Oklahoma City where I'm from, there's thousands of people every month searching for moving services. But if you're a B2B and you came up with some new uh, software as a service kind of software for say the oil and gas industry there might only be like 20 people in the entire city of three million or of a million and a half people that actually mm -hmm. would be mm -hmm. interested in that b2b service so I guess for b2b it, w it would depend on the nichiness of it so like someone like um, an accounting software that's b2b uh, you could say but that's like very mainstream and tons of people searching for that but uh, the, the less amount of people searching for something and the uh, kind of newerness of a, of a product type, is, so if you're creating a new software that's new to the industry, it makes it a little bit harder to have success on search. But if people in your target area are searching for whatever you offer on a B2B basis, you can still have plenty of success. Um, it's just overall... It, for me, at least, the, the B2C volumes, the search volume always seems to be higher than the B2B clients I work with. Easiest way that I like to explain it is, you know, just think about your personal time spent on Google. Imagine the amount of times you do personal searches for, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, some type of, uh, uh, you know, whether it's some personal item you want to purchase or just an answer to a question or what's this, you know, who won, you know, this Emmy at this year, something like that. Imagine all those searches and then think about how many times you do a search for something you want to purchase for your business or some kind of research you want to do for your business or, you know, you, your boss or something like that. I mean, it's, it's typically a fraction of the amount of B2B searches compared to the B2C. So you end up uh, with a much more difficult circumstance for B2B because you need to eliminate all of the trash that's gonna go around that people could end up clicking on your ad when you have some type of uh, you know keyword that triggers for a bunch of B2C searches when in fact you're really looking for just business owners and people looking to purchase something for their, for their business. In our work here at MindFire using Google AdWords and uh, in, you know, over time, just looking at what people search for, it never ceases to amaze me the crap and the level of depravity in some cases that people, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. sit down in front of Google with. Do you see the same sort of thing as you look at customer searches and, and accounts that you're managing for, for clients? It's, 
it's often embarrassing at to see what people search for and then click on an ad that has absolutely nothing related to what they're actually searching for. Right. It's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, absolutely. There, and and I've I've had clients that that uh, in the medical field, you know, for example, to see what people are searching for, um, because you may not, you know, newsflash if 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 you don't know this, uh, if you click on a paid ad, um, advertisers can then see what search query you searched for. Now there's mm -hmm. no there's no personal information attached to that, so it's just some some search with with no further information. But uh, yes, absolutely, some embarrassing specific stuff that uh, that then they click on an ad that has you know it's it's somebody that's selling a pet sweater um, that is nothing to do with what that person was searching for. Jason, you see the same in your work? Yeah, um, I I managed the campaign for a children's gymnastics gym in uh in uh, Long Island, New York, and seeing uh -oh. the search terms on that, my my I lost my innocence. So <laughs> there, was some, there was some weird stuff that people were searching, but I don't want to give the wrong impression um, to everyone out there. If you're if you run your campaign correctly, uh, very little of the traffic. Uh, that you see will will be from unrelated items, um, but at the same time, if you don't run your campaign correctly, then a lot of the searches that your ad show up on would be uh, unrelated. So it's all about things like um, keyword match types and negative keywords. Uh, but you can control what you show up on, and if you are showing up on the wrong kind of searches, um, you can fix that. But it but if you don't know what you're doing um, or you don't have a professional working with you. Uh, you can definitely get yourself in trouble in terms of getting non-quality traffic. So now that we've talked kind of about those ads and where they are, let's talk about the actual creative, the actual ad. So what do these ads look like, um, both for search and display? Well, I'll, I'll start us off with um, search ads. So the search ads uh, pretty much look like any listing. Uh, if you just go to Google and type in any keyword and then look at those top 10 search results with the blue headline, the green URL and then the black description lines that's pretty much what a search text ad looks like but with what Chris was talking about earlier the little green ad box next to it mm -hmm. um, but on search the ads pretty much look just like the normal listings and they have the blue headline and what we like to do there is is try if we can to use someone's search the keyword they're searching in the ad or something very related to that so you tell them hey we're giving you exactly what you're looking for. So if they typed in moving company in Irvine, California, we could have some ad that says Irvine's top movers or something like that. So you want to give them what they're looking for. And then the, the green uh, URL is not up to you. That's whatever website you're taking people to. So that autofills. And then the descriptions, you're just trying to use copy that conveys to the search user how you can help them. And then I also like to include a call to action, like call for a quote, um, uh, come see us today, stuff like that. Awesome. And then for the display ads? Yeah, for display, it's it's not quite so cut and dry. Basically, display uh, use a wide variety of sizes. It can, you know, um, three three twenty by one hundred, and you know, uh, there, there's there's many different sizes. But basically, you know, you're seeing a a Google display ad when you're browsing a blog because it will say ad choice in the corner. Right, it, it it's very small, but you may notice that the next time you're browsing on your phone or something, it'll say "Ad Choice," and that is a, a representation that you are seeing something from the Google AdWords Display Network. 
So one big question that folks ask us all the time, and it, and it happens frequently because of, of our software and what we do for marketers, is when someone searches for something on Google and uh, search, you know, clicks on one of those results or sees a display ad, where should they go? Should they go to the company's corporate website or should they go to a landing page? So I would love you guys' thoughts on that. So <laughs> let's start with you, Chris. What, what, what's your perspective on that? Oh boy, Jason and I. Uh, one of our favorite episodes was a, a, a one of our debate episodes where we where we talk about you know which one's better, the landing page or is, is that the, the one where Jason kept going wrong? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. got it, was, it. It was right in the middle of the the political turmoil of the uh -huh. election of 2016, <laughs> and we, we had a lot of fun with that, you know. But in the end, you know, I might steal Jason's thunder here, but uh, you know, I mean, that's what I'm here for. It's <laughs> It's, it's, it's really all about finding what works for you. If you are a big company that has a lot of resources and you want to take a very systematic approach uh, to a campaign and, uh, and you have the resources and money and funds and time, keep in mind time, it will take time to accomplish this, you can create individual landing pages that are assigned to specific ads, which are then assigned to specific search queries or search terms. and test those, right? Um, it takes a whole lot more effort, a whole lot more time, and a whole lot more money to do that. Um, and you have to have the professional experience behind you to, to know how to do it. You can hire it in or something like that. If you want to just take AdWords head on and just, you know, I, I want to try it. Like Jason said, I, I need the phone to start ringing. I would not recommend jumping into landing pages. You know, it's it's uh, it's not um, it's not something that you would want to um, to to try and um, tackle as you're learning what the best keywords are at that moment. You know, it's it's a it's a learning process and it does take time. So in the end, where, where people are where people land is basically your choice, and um, it's uh, it can be a landing page or a website, but uh, you know your decision on where you take them is dependent on your circumstances and what's okay. available. Okay. And what do you think, Jason? Well, I mean, I. I I honestly think I, I do see both of them working. Uh, the reason I kind of lean towards websites is because a lot of the clients I work with are small business owners. They're not tech savvy. They don't have graphic designers and web designers in-house. And there's so much push uh, out there right now for landing pages and landing page uh, providers and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of marketing and a lot of opinion swaying towards the thought that you have to have a landing page to run Google AdWords, but it, in my experience, it's not—it's just not true. And I kind of want to stick up for websites. And if you have a quality, relevant website, and that website basically is what the person is searching for—a doctor website if they're looking for a doctor, a mover if they're looking for a mover—then you're going to do just fine uh, with Google AdWords. So, I. Websites are easy because you don't have to set up anything new. And if you have a good website, I I, I, I see them work well every day. So I, I like websites, but if you have huge budgets and a lot of time and, and the resources, you can also uh, play around with landing pages and, and try to keep A-B testing and improving your conversion rates. So Chris, before we move off this topic, why don't we talk a little bit about your experience there in driving traffic to a landing page versus a website? with respect to Google's quality score. So if our listeners aren't familiar with that term, maybe you just give a little bit of a definition. And then I'm curious, do you see a lower quality score when sending folks to a website versus a landing page that's specific to that keyword? 
Yeah, so brief description on quality score. Quality score is basically Google's numeric value uh, that they assign to tell you how relevant and successful you are at setting up your AdWords campaign. That's probably the easiest way to explain it. If you've, mm -hmm. if you've, if you've done everything correctly, uh, then you're going to get a good quality score. And if you take it in all the wrong direction and you have the wrong keywords, the wrong ads, the wrong landing pages, website, whatever, then you get a lower quality score. So to answer your question about um, uh, landing page versus website, um, I mean, just to go off of Jason, you know, talking about small small businesses and stuff, let's assume you have a modest website with, you know, you've had a modest budget and like most people, you 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 know, you don't want to spend a ton of money, so you get a couple of your services mashed into one page, and it has, uh, you know, like a bullet point list of basically 14 different services that you do, or four different services, and it's all kind of mashed into one page. Naturally, Google's going to give a little bit worse quality score um, for something that is not entirely relevant uh, to the segmentation of your keywords. So if you do, um, a specific service and you have specific keywords for that service, and then you send them to a generic website page that covers about four or five different services that are kind of like that, or, or products, even we can talk about products. Google's not going to give quite as good, uh, results for, for one versus the other. But keep in mind, um, from my understanding, you know, in the in the language that Google uses about quality score and landing pages, they tend to talk about a pass or fail value. It's not necessarily you get a better quality score if you have a better website. You just either pass or fail. You never really mm -hmm. know if you're passing or failing. It's more about, um, you know, is this a good quality score for me? Am I willing to live with a five? Would I like to get an eight instead? So, uh, it's 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 a very much a, a a very big mystery to know do I need to improve my quality score by doing a landing page? Do I need to improve my quality score by changing my ads or changing my keywords or mm. something like that? In the end, you end up having, having to do a lot of those things. And that's what makes AdWords management uh, rather not quite as straightforward as you think because they don't, they don't tell you. It's your landing page that's really messing things up. They kind of just give hints and suggestions about how to improve it overall. So now we've been kind of talking about this. Now, how does this all factor into the cost? How much does this cost? If there's a business owner that wants to do this, how does the price structure works? How did this uh, quality score factor into it? Tell our listeners about that. Why don't you start out with that, Jason? Well, um, it's basically how much Google costs is you have to think of Google as an an auction, and I like to call it a modified auction, uh, and I'll get to that. So um, if you do a search in Google for like the word injury lawyer, um, the the amount that you're going to have to pay, and you only pay when people click on your ads because it's pay-per-click advertising, you only pay when they click on your ads. Now how much you pay is determined by how much you bid. If you're an injury lawyer out there, you could bid $1 and say, okay, if, if someone clicks on my ad, I'm willing to pay $1. But your ad would never show up because other competitors are willing to bid more in the auction. So for an injury lawyer, you might have to bid $60 or something like that to get your ad to show up in the top of the page and get clicked on. Um, and then in terms of how quality score plays a role in that, how much you bid is half of the game in terms of how often you show up and how high you show up. The other half of the game is how relevant your ad is and how relevant your landing page is and 
um, that's based on quality score. So Google said, okay, we only want to show relevant ads to people that actually help them and, and are what they're looking for. So if someone does a search for an injury lawyer and you sell some kind of pharmaceutical pill to help people with knee arthritis, you can't just spam our search results because you're a huge pharmaceutical company and can spend millions of dollars. You have to have a relevant ad. So the higher your quality score is, the lower you have to bid to show up above the competition and then vice versa. The lower your quality score, the less relevant your ads are, the more you're going to have to bid to show above your competition. And the cost is just different for every industry and a lot of it is based on the value that one new client or customer brings. So injury lawyers, they could get a million dollar case and those guys are willing to bid sixty to a hundred dollars per click. But if you're selling like white t-shirts, uh, those those bids are only going to be uh, one to two dollars and then if you're a moving company and the value of one new customer is a few hundred bucks to a couple thousand dollars those bids tend to come in around ten to twenty dollars so it's very dependent on the industry so let's talk a little bit about the power of retargeting uh, with respect to Google's display network and I'll, I'll throw that over to you Chris first kind of just tell us a little bit about what that is and what marketers can do with retargeting to help them generate more leads and sales remarketing or well, you, you, you call it remarketing uh, in, in AdWords. Uh, retargeting is the same thing. So those, for this case, we'll just say retargeting and remarketing are synonyms. Um, but basically, remarketing is um, uh, something I recommend to every client, uh, hmm. no matter what their budget is. So when it comes down to, to remarketing, if you are able to do it, uh, let's say if, if, you, if, if remarketing for you is something that Google will allow in their system, uh, for example, if, if you're a doctor, you may not be able to do it because of HIPAA and privacy issues. But assuming that you can, I absolutely suggest that you do it. So the way that it works is this. When you, um, my favorite example is let's say you're, you're shopping for a big purchase. Um, let's say you're going to buy a new car and you go to Toyota's website and you and you look at uh, you know a, a couple different vehicles and you might spend a little bit longer on one rather than the other then you go um, you go about your day and uh, let's say the next day you're uh, reading your favorite blog or looking at some funny picture and you notice there is that same truck that I was looking at you know wow that's interesting it must be you know they must be doing a really big push on that specific truck model and then the next day you see it again and again and again. What, what's happening is uh, you are being remarketed to. It's an incredibly efficient way of uh, using the display network specifically. I'm, I'm referring to the display network because I was talking about looking at a funny picture or a blog or something like that. You are seeing these image ads on the display network and they are, they, they're reminding the viewer that, hey, this company is out there. That product that you look at is still out there. You might see it happen all the time with Amazon or you know bigger, uh, bigger retail companies that, that show you individual products that you viewed. Um, in the end, it will be a fraction of what you spend on search. Uh, it is a very small budget. Um, it costs very little because as Jason said, you only pay when people click. And uh, the cool thing is a lot of people see those ads. They open, they then open up a new tab, type in the, the, the URL of that, um, that company and go, go to their website and fill out the form or whatever they, you know, they like, oh yeah, that's right. I wanted to, to buy that thing or I wanted to hire those people or something like that they won't even click the ad and we're actually able to track when that happens when they come back to the site and then fill out the form or make that phone call. Um, so 
we know it happens. And that costs the advertiser my favorite amount of money, zero dollars. <laughs> zero dollars. Right? Yeah, I mean that that's what you're looking for is is being able to bring people to your site without even having to pay that initial click, that second click to bring them to your site. So, Jason, do you see the the picture the same way here? Do you uh, think this is the way to go? And are you seeing conversions through it as well? Yeah, so I think remarketing or retargeting is a great way to kind of put your toe in the water of the display network and working on your branding. Um, just like Chris, I like to run retargeting as a complement to my search campaigns. I don't see a ton of direct conversions from remarketing, although I have for specific campaigns. But it's just, it's hard to deny the amount of impressions you can get for such a low cost for the small businesses I work with where their only other branding options are something like TV or radio where there's going to be contracts involved, lots of money, hard to get in, hard to get out of. And it's, if you're, if you want a bunch of impressions and you want to work on your branding, there's no better place to start uh, than remarketing. So Jason, let's dive into that just a little bit deeper. Um, t tell us, since that inventory that Google has is so expansive, right? I don't know what percentage of the internet they cover, but let's imagine it's it's a lot, right? Uh, are there any locations online that Google has access to to be able to display these ads that you would recommend that advertisers or marketers not include in their remarketing or retargeting campaigns? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and and for me. I don't want to bash this type of advertising, but I have not had good success running display ads on apps. So Google has YouTube. They have all these over 2 million publisher websites, uh, like people like your local news channel or uh, probably places like ESPN or New York Times that run Google ad network on there that has all these display websites. But then they also have uh, display ads in apps in-app advertising and for me I just have not seen it do good because if if there is uh, someone playing like bedazzled jewel number three on their iPad <laughs> they're just not the kind of demo that is going to hire an injury lawyer or a moving company so what I like to do is add a block to uh, my remarketing campaigns and uh, tell the system to hey we don't want to run any ads on apps we're going to instead run them on normal websites interesting so yeah the cool thing and what i hear from you guys and i want our listeners to take away is that there's so much flexibility that you have in terms of these campaigns that you run and you're able to get so granular with the details that you're you can really target or find people that are looking for you and then you can kind of play around with it and it from the numbers that you were saying you know it doesn't seem it's not you know, some astronomical costs that everyone can't start doing. You know, this is something that people can immediately start doing um, to get some increase, you know, for their business, whether they need calls or leads or, or whatever it is. You don't have to have a ton of money. Um, one of the, there's a lot of barriers to entry uh, to lots of forms of advertising. So if you wanted to start a TV commercial campaign or buy a bunch of billboards, that's right off the bat, you have to have tens of thousands of dollars. But with AdWords, you can literally start with, $100, $200 a month budgets. That's amazing. Now, we've talked a lot about from the perspective of the ads, what people see and all that. What can, from the advertiser's point of view, what can the what can they track? What's the data they can see? Can they tell what people were specifically searching? I know we talked about a little bit earlier, but just to give our listeners visibility into what the adver advertiser gets. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that one. So here's, 
here's here's what the big sell is with AdWords. Um, you spend one hundred dollars in AdWords. Let's say you know uh, a new advertiser. You say you know I'm willing to spend a hundred dollars in AdWords. I can tell you down to the penny exactly where every bit of that ad spend went. I can tell you uh, how many people uh, each day clicked on those ads. I can tell you uh, what those people were searching, which keywords triggered those search, which ad that person saw, and then which landing page they went to. And uh, I can tell you in a bigger picture what type of click-through rate percentage they had, how many people converted, then when they land on your website, how did those people perform in comparison to your organic traffic? Did they have a higher bounce rate, lower bounce rate? Um, how many people called your phone number? How many people dialed the phone number in the ad? Um, I mean, there's there's tons of information, and that is what keeps that is that's what's kept me doing Google AdWords for all these years is because there is yet to be a, another network that people will go to for immediate answers that you can then get absolute straight statistics from on exactly how every single penny of your ads money was spent. So Chris, when you say you can tell which ad um, is performing, I'm curious uh, from your perspective, having done this for so many years, let's say you're doing an AB split test and you have an A version of your text ad and a B version. Do you allow Google to optimize for what it thinks is going to get the most clicks or conversions? Or do you say, nah, -uh, Google, I'm going to handle this. How, how do you go about setting that up? Typically, I, I use the default setting to let Google run the ad for um, a certain amount of time and, mm -hmm. and then and then start to choose based on uh, click-through rate, which one should show more often. So, you know, um, honestly, here's what happens. If you have a campaign that you say, no, Google, I want you to show every ad equally, Here's what here's what usually happens. A lot of times you get caught up in new keywords or budgets or new landing pages and you forget to go back and remove some of those ads that are underperforming as Google continues to rotate those evenly. So then you're missing out on opportunities that you know Google's saying, "Hey, this ad's way underperforming, but you didn't give us permission to show this other ad more often if it overperforms than the other one." Mm -hmm. So I I like to kind of give myself a little legroom and say, "Okay, Google, you can't have some um, optimization ability in the campaign, but uh, very much of the campaign I like to control uh, on a much more manual level. Level, Jason, what do you think? Um, for me, the, it depends on the uh, what kind of volume it is in the advertiser's campaign. So if it's like a thousand dollar a month account, very small, uh, then I'm just going to usually let it optimize for clicks, which is the default setting, and let Google kind of decide, hey, we really like this ad. If you run this ad almost exclusively, we'll, we'll probably show it uh, more often than if you didn't. But if I'm working on like a super high volume, super high spend account that gets thousands of impressions a day and tons of data to work with, then sometimes I like to, um, op I like to rotate evenly give every ad a, a chance to get um, a, a lot of impressions and a lot of data and, and see where the click-through rate comes in um, and then choose my winners kind of manually. So we are in the midst of a series focusing on combining multiple digital media channels with another. So multi-channel approach to get more leads, to get more phone calls, to get more sales. And so we're curious to know, and I'm sure our listeners are dying to know, do you guys have any examples that you've seen of people using Google AdWords, which, you know, with search display retargeting in conjunction with other media, like such as direct mail? 
Yeah, well, one of the things I, I see a ton is people have email campaigns and they capture emails on their websites. Um, and a lot of times when people are filling out a form for like a quote after clicking on an AdWords ad, they'll work into that form signing people up to their email newsletter. Um, and then once you have them on your newsletter, that's a whole different form of marketing. But that initial sign up to the newsletter oftentimes uh, comes from Google AdWords. So I, I see a lot of people doing that. Interesting. What about you, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, the, the other way around uh, something I've been doing recently is I have uh, clients that have a very large um, email marketing list, right? They have 50,000 emails or something like that, and they will use that email marketing list uh, in Google to show um, ads in, uh, in Gmail. So I can mm -hmm. upload that list to Google and then uh, create specific Gmail uh, ads that show up uh, specifically when that person is using uh, their Gmail account. So I, can, I know that, that it's that email um, and I know that that person is, you know, a, a CEO or something like that. And I can, you know, the power of being able to show that person specifically when they're in their email, a specific type of ad with a call to action with a specific uh, website or landing page attached to it. There's a lot of power behind that. And I've uh, seen some pretty good success for B2B companies that previously had had issues driving quality traffic, you know, with just the search campaign. Awesome. Thank you. And so now I think we should do a little bit of a shift and everyone, I think by this point has a really great basic understanding of how it works, the different methods, how much it costs, what you can see. So let's take it a little bit deeper, a little bit one step further. Um, we would like to know of some of the newer features, things that you guys are excited about. So if you guys could each talk about maybe three features or collectively three features that you guys are really excited about that you think are going to be really beneficial that advertisers may not be leveraging yet. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll start us off there. So, um, going to take a little bit of a risk here and maybe, dun, dun, dun. David, maybe <laughs> David or Chris, uh, you guys are in the demo. So think hard and let me know if this phrase means anything to you. Okay. Okay. I love this. Uh, hey guys, just out here in my garage. Oh, what's ah. that? That's just my Lamborghini. Uh, but more important than my Lamborghini are these books. <laughs> these books. Yeah. Uh, so do you guys know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. David. <laughs> I'm not really sure I do. I'm afraid to say yes. Okay. I'm afraid to say well, no, Chris, too. Chris, tell them. Okay, I guarantee that a lot of men age 18 to 40 in the audience know exactly what I'm talking about. Chris, say the man's name. I, I oh, you put me on a no. I do not. That's okay. The, the man's name. name is is Ty Lopez, and oh, the okay, there we go. I even know who Ty Lopez is, is because he has done a phenomenal job making extremely interesting and polarizing YouTube ads. Mm -hmm. And he has essentially become a celebrity, and I'm sure he's got businesses, newsletters, or whatever he does to make money backing that celebrity business up. But the guy became a celebrity uh, and started this whole business line through YouTube advertising. So YouTube isn't new, but what a lot of people don't realize is that Google owns YouTube. And advertising on YouTube is a part of Google AdWords. And that's where a lot of Google's growth is coming from right now. And I'm excited about YouTube advertising because it is basically the modern day television uh, advertising. And if you have 
unique, great ads like Ty Lopez does, it really does work. And all the things we've been talking about with keywords and specific audiences and locations and getting all that data, all of that applies to YouTube. So it's basically the best of branding advertising, which is what TV offered us with visuals mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff, combined with all the modern day control and data of Google AdWords. And so that's why I'm super excited about it because it's basically where TV advertising is going. And the reason I brought up Ty Lopez is because if you do YouTube advertising well, it, it really does work. So that's, that's one thing I'm super excited about going forward. So, Jason, are we going to see videos of you in your garage and maybe a bike or something? <laughs> I don't know, There's something no, equivalent? No bikes yet, but I do have a YouTube channel. It is, it is growing. It is small, but it is growing. And you might see me drinking out of a mug with my own face and logo on it. Oh, so my. <laughs> there is a chance. Actually, that happens here at Mindfire. Yeah, I have... I don't actually drink out of myself, right? No, I drink we, out of other people. <laughs> yeah, we have mugs with our pictures and names on yeah. them. So, uh, so I don't know. It's definitely something I've been kicking around, and I don't know if I can. No one's ever going to be as uh, polarizing as that guy has been. But it, well, it I can think of one person, Jason. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll just leave that right there. We'll leave uh, that there. <laughs> so, so Jason, we'll link up to your YouTube channel uh, in the show notes. Uh, Chris, what about I, I you? What's, yeah, what's one thing that you're excited about in 2017, either that you've started using or that you're excited about using? Um, my favorite changes that have that have happened are basically the micro um, uh, bidding changes and the ability to be able to target. Uh, very minute differences from one campaign to another. So just last year, Google gave advertisers the ability to change uh, bids for every device, that, uh, whether it's a, uh, a tablet, a computer, or a uh, mobile device. Used to, we could only do um, mobile devices. We could either bid higher or lower on those, but now we can do all three. Um, last year, we got um, a demographic uh, bidding ability for search, which means I can look at my search uh, demographics and tell how many are male, how many are female, what age group they're in, even information about whether they are uh, a parent or not. Um, when they're, And these are people that have both seen my ads and clicked my ads. They didn't necessarily have to click. I can still see how many impressions I've acquired from uh, males aged uh, 18 to, to whatever and, uh, you know, and, and see how they respond. Are they converting lower or higher than uh, you know, males that are a little older? So there's, and, and, there's a, and, and what's great is that I can then block um, certain age groups or uh, genders if I want to, to specifically target um, a type of audience. And this is all in search. This is a brand yeah. new area. So the, the ability to be able to make these changes is really cool because you get to a point in AdWords where, you know, just your, your client asks you, what new keyword ideas do you have? And I say, you know what, George, I've been doing your campaign for two years. I don't have any new keyword ideas. Mm -hmm. I've been, I'm, I'm all dried out. And, and, the ability to be able to um, bid at uh, some 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 new uh, geographic targeting levels that that can really you know be really really powerful with uh, demographics and you know top ten percent top twenty percent of income based on zip code. I mean, there's a lot of things that I've been making use of 
that aren't for every advertiser, but if you tend to um, you know find that there's certain demographics, you know, uh, in income earning levels that that tend to do better, or certain zip codes you want to advertise in, these are all things you can do now, and it can make a drastic difference in the ROI of a campaign. Now, look, Chris, let's talk shop a little bit in the, in the details there. The targeting or the exclusion targeting that you can do for male and female and age, it seems to me that it's only, uh, well, I'll put it another way. I, I can't say I want to exclude women who are 24 and younger. Is that your finding as well? Yeah, it's it's true. That's true. You can either exclude women or you can exclude like age brackets, but they don't right. have a um, – you can look and see how many women age 24 and younger are seeing the ads, but you can't yeah. – they don't have a, a, a cross-section between the two, and you're right. That is – that you know, but but this is a brand new thing. Demographics yeah. have been around for a long time for dis, for display, but they're brand new in search. So right. you know, I'm uh, I'm expecting that that's probably coming. But um, but yeah, you're right. There is there's definitely some limitation. Yep, yep. I'm sure that I'm sure that's on the roadmap for Google. So as we uh, wrap up here, one thing we'd like to hear from you, since you guys have been doing this for a long time and have, I imagine, seen a variety of different things uh, as you've worked with Google. Uh, we'll start with you, Jason. What's something that you've learned about Google uh, and AdWords specifically that you can only learn by having done this day in and day out for so many years? Well, uh, in my early 20s, there might have been a time when I was quote unquote finding myself and there there might have been a time during that time when I quote unquote played poker every day of the year uh, during that <laughs> a lot year. of quotes in here yeah <laughs> and so it if if that happened uh, I got pretty good at poker and I learned about something called statistical significance and um, that applies hugely to Google AdWords and it's something that unless you have a weird background in a game like poker or in um, a study of statistics or something like that, you're just not going to have that respect for sample size and statistical significance unless you have that kind of background or unless you do Google AdWords every day. And doing Google AdWords every day has kind of like doubled down my respect for sample size and statistical significance. And basically what that means is if you have a poker hand that wins 80% of the time and the other guy has a hand that wins 20% of the time, you could still hypothetically lose the next 12, 15 hands of poker, um, even though you have the favorite hand. And the way that applies to Google AdWords is you can do everything right. You can show up on the right keywords, you can have all the negative keywords, you can have great ads, but there could be days when you don't get any conversions or when you normally have a conversion rate of say 10 to 15 percent and for two days in a row your conversion rate is one or two percent and there's no rhyme or reason to it there's no answer for it and there's nothing you can do it's just all about statistics and there's gonna be time periods when you go above average and when you go below average so doing Google AdWords every day has taught me to have a respect for sample size and to to really look at statistical significance when I'm making my decisions. Beautiful. What would you say, Chris? Wow. Well, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to dumb it down a little bit. Jason, yeah. that was a little over that the That was top. beautiful. Yeah, so <laughs> eloquent. Yeah. That was inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I like the pretty colors. Um, but, um, <laughs> basically, um, what I've found after, you know, a lot of years of doing this is that this is probably going to be good news to a lot of people that are new to AdWords. 
complexity in your your campaigns and your ad groups and your keywords and your ads and all these things in the end I I'm not so sure anymore that it makes that big of a difference so when a client hires me that well one client hired me for you know an agency hired me once for for doing all of their 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 clients campaigns for them and they once told me they said you know we always judge how well you're doing how how much time you spend on it based on how many ad groups you built out for this client you know we we, hmm. we can tell you really put in a lot of thought if there's like 64 ad groups and so i'm like you know yes you know thanks yeah you know i put a lot of time into really diversifying my keywords and making sure that my ads are you know there's lots of different ads and things like that and what i found is that for the long run one year in and 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 you've made changes. You've added keywords. You've you've turned some off. You've added negative keywords. In the end, it tends to be so much more complex in in managing a campaign that has 64 ad groups compared to a campaign that that only has three ad groups. But you know these these ad groups represent the core keywords that are going to do the best, um, get the best results for you. Um, and you're able to be so much less intimidated by this massive campaign. You know, in the end, if you don't have a different landing page or, and a different ad for every ad group, Google gives no quality score incentives. And we talked about this recently in our, in our podcast. Uh, it gives no quality score incentives if you do not differentiate one ad from, from another uh, across the ad groups. So let's say you have um, uh, ad group A and ad group B. Um, and they both have the same, uh, uh, they have different keywords, but they have the same ad. You just copied and pasted one across the other. And then they're both going to the same website or landing page. Um, you've basically done nothing other than just split two ad groups. They, they would share the same uh, quality score if you had put them in the same ad group. So um, I, I'm actually moving away from complexity and trying to impress people by my um, very large, complex campaigns because in the end, it all it does is give me headaches in further management. So, Chris, again, I'm going to go into the weeds a little bit here. Folks may not be familiar with this term, but I assume if I say SCAG, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, no. S single, single keyword ad group? Oh, oh, well, I have never heard that before. Okay, but uh, okay. I, now I definitely know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yep. The, the, the man on the other end of this phone is is the is the king of that. And good the gosh, skag I, king. I, oh, ugh, yeah. Just yeah. So, blah, so, blah, blah, blah. my 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 ad groups are just one keyword, and it's just it's just okay. it's, it's, it's it's exhausting. It's exhausting. So so I take it then you're not a believer in skags, but but Jason, you are. Well, I mean, that's just how I was raised. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, owe, I owe a lot of my uh, uh, good looks and, and charm. Well, um, some would say, but I, I, I owe a lot of my uh, career success to uh, meeting the right guy at the right time uh, who kind of took me on. As, he was my mentor, and he, he was a guy from the UK who does Google AdWords uh, freelancing. And that's the method he liked, one keyword per ad group, and that's what he taught me to do. And I was kind of his apprentice in a way for a lot of years where I would build out his campaigns for him. And I just got that trained in me. And I, the reason I like it is because it takes uh, all my questions away. So if I have a word like commercial movers and office moving company, they're for the same kind of service, 
but they're different keywords. So then if those, both of those keywords are in the same ad group, um, should my ad say commercial movers or should it say office moving company? I don't want to have to think about that. So mm -hmm. that's why personally I like doing one keyword ad groups, but Google recommends uh, three to four keywords per ad or sorry, I think they recommend up to 20, 10 to 20. Yeah, keywords quite a number. Per ad group. Yeah. And there, there's nothing wrong with that at all. And like what Chris was saying with what he's learned about Google AdWords and he's taking an approach now of don't make it overcomplicated and keep it simple. I, th there's a lot to that because search advertising works really, really good uh, because you're giving people exactly what they're looking for at the exact time they're looking for it. So really anything you can do if it for yourself as a business owner to make things not as complicated and simple and make you want to run more ads on Google and spend more of your budget on Google, I'm, I'm all for it because it really does work. And there is a lot to be said about overcomplicating it. All right, guys. So uh, lastly here, if people would like to hear you on your podcast, which is fantastic, by the way, I know we've said that already. How can they find that and how can they get in touch with each of you individually? So um, our podcast is at paidsearchpodcast.com. And if you just Google paid search podcast, uh, you can find the iTunes listing, the social media, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, we keep everything is at the website as kind of our hub, pagesearchpodcast.com. And on the listen to uh, the show page, you can listen to all the previous episodes. And we will put that up, listeners, in the show notes. So you'll be able to have that website. You can easily get there. And then if they wanted to reach out to either of you, um, is there a way to reach out? Yeah, you can definitely reach out to me. Um, you, easiest way is to uh, uh, go to my website, chrisschafer.com, and I'll spell that C-H-R-I-S-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R.com. Uh, -E -E Perfect. And what about you, Jason? Name, sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> website, rothmanppc.com, and uh, everyone can find me there. Listeners, I hope you got as much out of that as we did. I know we had a really great time, but beyond all the fun that we had with them, there was some key information there that you can take uh, and apply to your business. So we will be linking all the information as always in the show notes. Uh, really important. Make sure on iTunes to rate, review, and then share our podcast with others so that they can learn as well as uh, the page search podcast. We want to um, have you guys go there and listen to that, learn from them, apply it to your businesses. Uh, the other thing is we're going to maybe do a joint episode potentially with some questions. So please send any and all questions to hello at mindfireinc.com. Again, that's hello at mindfireinc.com. And what's really key guys about that is whether you are a beginner or you've been doing this for a decade and a half, like Chris and Jason have, we want to know those questions and these guys can get them answered for you. So send your questions in to hello at mindfireinc.com. Leave us a note there in the blog. Hit us up via email, via Twitter, whatever it takes to get a hold of us. Mm -hmm. Get us your questions. We're going to go through and, and create a list of uh, the top questions and then bring them back on the show. Or as you said, McKinsey, um, do some sort of joint show where we can answer those. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where we can answer those for you. Last thing, we have something exciting. And Chris and Jason are actually uh, offering Pixels and Ink listeners a special offer. So go to our blog and find out what that is. Yep. You want to check that out if you're at all interested in using Google AdWords to grow your business and uh, incorporate this into the marketing that you're doing for yourself or for your customers. All right. Well, with that, have a great rest of the week. We hope you enjoyed today's material as much as we did. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. 
You've been listening to the Pixels and in Ink podcast with Mackenzie Farsheed and Dave Rosendahl. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit mindfirestudio.com slash blog. We look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, keep testing your marketing to find out what works for you and your business and get ready for your leads and revenue to grow. We'll see you in the next episode. Sometimes I say stuff and it's just like, wait, where did that even come from? So what I would like, um, I, I, I don't know. That was, I had no idea where that came from and <laughs> that needs to be deleted.